Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek, 916-633-1537 is the voicemail number. You can also email me at ratchetandratchet at gmail.com. Our Twitter name is Ratchet Book Club, and you can leave a review on Podchaser, Apple, Stitcher, you know, do what the fuck you want to do. Don't mind my voice. I've had a long day. Did you know that with Podchaser, you have the option to leave a review for separate episodes as well as the show as a whole? Also, whenever I say as a whole, I giggle inside because it feels like a fancy dancy way of saying asshole. Anyway, look at it. I hope you don't look at assholes. I mean, eat them. Sure. Like groceries. But don't look at them. If you see something that you didn't expect back there, it may scar you for life. You know. Anyhow, let me clear my throat. <clears throat> Chapter 22 I pulled up in front of the devil's den and stared at the bar moodily. I had been trying for over a month now to cop Stella, the owner of the bar. It hadn't taken me long to find out that she wasn't just another barmaid. I knew that she wanted me, but for some reason, she held back. I meant to break through the wall of reserve she kept putting up, and I had reason to believe I just might break luck tonight. Generally, she didn't come to the bar except on weekends. She wouldn't commit herself to a real date, but she had decided to come downtown tonight just to see me. Stella was sitting on the corner stool when I entered. Hi, she yelled and waved in my direction. I smiled to myself. It was apparent that she had been drinking. I felt sure that half the battle was won. Hi yourself, I said as I sat down beside her. Did you save enough for me? She smiled and stared at me mischievously. Yeah, Johnny. But let's not waste our time sitting around here drinking. Then she added as an afterthought. You did say your name was Johnny, didn't you? There was something about the way she said it that made me glance up immediately. She was staring at me in a peculiar manner. All at once it came to me. She was damn near out on her feet. I was taken aback. It wouldn't have helped my plan if she was too intoxicated to realize what was happening. She leaned over towards me. Come on, honey. Let's get the hell out of here. That was just down my line. 
I stood up and took her arm so she wouldn't stagger. The bartender gave me a cold look as we walked out, but the hell with him. He was the least of my worries. I steered her towards my car and helped her in, then got in the other side. She pushed the armrest up and slid across the seat so she could be under me. The street was nearly deserted as I drove through the downtown area. I started to stop and put the top down, then decided against it. It would sober her up too quick. I could feel her hand rubbing my leg up and down until she got the nerve and began to massage me intimately. As far as I was concerned, that clinched things. I wouldn't have to worry about her reactions when I pulled up in front of a motel. I stopped and bought a pint of whiskey, then headed for a motel in the outskirts of town. I wanted to make sure we weren't seen by anyone. She sat in the car and sipped on a cup of whiskey while I checked the scent. Come on, baby, I said lightly, jingling the motel key in my hand. Her skirt rose above her thighs as she got out on the driver's side. Again, I marveled at her ripened perfection. We entered the room holding each other tightly. I closed the door and kissed her passionately, then picked her up and carried her to the bed. When she returned my kiss, her tongue darted in and out of my mouth like a burning spear. Hot, stabbing jolts of sensation ran through me as I lowered her gently to the bed. I undressed her and kissed her feverishly on her neck, shoulders, and beautiful white breasts. Her nipples became hard under my probing lips. When I went down lower and kissed her on her navel, she shuddered and her stomach grew tight. She began to murmur words of endearment as I worked down lower and lower. I proceeded to make love to her with slow deliberation, tantalizing her with the promise of joy she had never before known. Before she could become too accustomed to my lovemaking that way, I raised up and penetrated her at just the right time. She was tightly built, and a small scream escaped from her. I took her tiny waist in my hands and pulled her to me firmly yet gently. Irresistibly, she clung to me in frenzied, delirious madness. Please, Johnny, please don't stop. I've never before had an orgasm. The words came out of her in a gasp. She tossed her head from side to side, then dug her nails into my back, screamed, and shook violently. Much later, I lay back and examined her nude body as she slept beside me. I grinned to myself. I'd even surpassed my own expectations while making love to her. I evoked sensations I didn't know women had. We got up the next day, late in the afternoon. When she first awoke, I played with her until she became aroused, then made love to her again, once more making her reach orgasm. Her eyes lit up from the fires I kindled in her. My skillful handling had given her astronomical pleasures and sexual sensations never before imagined. She was hooked. She couldn't keep her hands off me. I had planned on waiting before I started to press for money, but her behavior gave me an immediate opening. Stella, it might be three or four weeks before I get to see you again, I said, starting to get a good lie together on the spur of the moment. She snatched the bait. Why, Johnny? Here we are just really getting acquainted, and now you're telling me you gotta go. Her hands kept rubbing intimately until I stood up and walked to the counter. I knew then that she would become a nuisance. Whether or not it was a flaw in my makeup, I didn't know. But after I made love to a woman, I didn't like to be bothered. In fact, I became downright annoyed if my bed partner didn't take the hint and give me some distance. It's not that I want to go, Stella, but I have a car note due, and my rent's been overdue for the past month. I need something like 400 bucks to get myself together. 
Where are you going to get the money at when you leave here? She asked point blank. My father owns a store in Cincinnati. If I go back home and hang around for a few weeks or months, I added, he'll loan me the money. She hesitated for a moment and then said just what I knew she'd say. If you stay here, I'll loan you the money. My first reaction should have won me an Academy Award. First, I pretended shock, then became indignant. My technique was beauty in motion. I allowed her to persuade me to accept the money against my better judgment, I stated with a straight face. Her face lit up with happiness. Johnny, you stop by the bar tonight and I'll have it for you. Better yet, won't you just let me rent this room? That way, the people down at the club won't have any idea what's happening, she continued, not giving me time to answer. Suppose we just meet here, say around 8 o'clock. I have the money ready for you. 8 o'clock, hell. I could read the bitch's mind. She meant to wear me out for that 400. I'll tell you what. I got some business to take care of, so make it 10 o'clock. Before she could answer, I leaned down and kissed her. That closed the deal better than words could have. When she started to breathe heavy, I pulled her from the bed and slapped her on the rump. Get dressed so I could drop you off downtown at your car. If I let you, we'll still be here at 10 o'clock tonight. She grinned and ran into the shower. I relaxed a little. I don't think I could have stood another bout with her so soon. A while later, I dropped her off and continued on home. For the past few weeks, I had been neglecting Ruby. I'd have to give her a little attention before she got out of hand. For the next month, I played both ends against the middle. Stella had become wise to what was happening, and Ruby knew I had a square girl for her wife-in-law. Even though I tried to explain to her that I was getting big stuff from my Ofe, it didn't sit right with her. I think what really dragged her was that Stella was white. Black girls just don't like to stable up with white girls, no matter how much money their pimp is getting from the Ofe. And the shoe fit the same way on the other foot. I started a bank account now, and I had over five grand put away for a rainy day. Three thousand of it came from Stella in the last month. Two days ago, I had just got two grand from her, and when we met tonight, I was going to hit her for some more. I stared out of the motel window. The weather was beautiful, but I didn't feel in the mood to ride down on any bitches. I had just heard on the news that Janet was back from abroad, and she had called her engagement off. That should have made me happy, but for some reason, I couldn't build up any sweat over it. Right now, Janet was in a different world from the one I lived in. I had enough problems with the two women I was living with to last three lifetimes without dragging Janet into the picture. Stella had given me an outright no-bullshit choice. Either I married her or no more money. I would have fired the bitch outright, but she had sweetened the pot with a promise of $20,000 cash on the day we were married. Perhaps to some men, this wouldn't have been a problem. For me, it wasn't that simple. I was a pimp, inside and out, and marrying a bitch wasn't in my program. Stella presented the opportunity, and I meant to take advantage of it. If the bitch didn't think I could play her out of that money, she was crazy. I didn't have it absolutely together, but I had a plan. The phone rang. I picked up the receiver and spoke for a few moments, then hung up. I smiled. It was coming together. The pieces were falling into place. I put two joints in my pocket and stepped outside. It was just dust dark, not too hot or cold. I let the top down on my caddy and headed for the west side. 
I appreciated this big, expensive car as I drove across town. When I stopped at a red light, four teenage girls waiting for the bus flagged me down. The women standing at the bus stop stuck their noses in the air as the young girls ran over and climbed in my car. Those old bitches were just mad because I didn't pick them up. All the teenagers had on shorts, and I mean short shorts. The young girl who sat down in the front seat beside me had big, pretty brown thighs, and I stared at them in appreciation. Hey, baby, this sure is a hip ride, ain't it? One of the girls in the back yelled. I caught her reflection in the mirror, and she didn't look to be over 13. What the fuck? You need a woman, honey? She asked. I smiled at their frankness. No, honey, you might be too old for me, I capped right back. She grinned. If you were to get some of this hot stuff I got, I bet you wouldn't think that. I laughed out loud. You probably got a point there. One of the girls in the front seat began to turn the knob until she found a soul music station. They all began to dance in their seat and pop their fingers to the music. When I got to 12th and Warren, both of the girls in the back seat got out. Four blocks later, the one sitting by the door in front yelled that it was her stop. After letting her out, I turned to the one beside me. How far do you go, honey? I asked. I go all the way over to Linwood if you go on that far, she replied. I gotta make a stop first, baby, and then I'll take you on home. That is, if you're not in a big hurry. She looked up at me out of some of the prettiest eyes. What are you, a Mexican or something? I laughed. No, baby. I ain't no Mexican, but you could bet I'm something. When she laughed, it wasn't the laugh of a child. It was the sound of a young, healthy woman coming into her own. She hadn't bothered to move over to the vacant spot by the door either. She sat right up under me as though she belonged to me. Her behavior led me to believe we might make one hell of an evening out of it yet. One way or the other, it would amount to pure delight to lay up with this young devil, cute and tender. I pulled up in front of a pool room on Warren and stopped. One of the loafers in the doorway walked over to the car. Before he reached it, I got out and met him on the sidewalk. Preacher, baby, I see them white folks finally let you out. Preacher grinned. He was a short, fat, dark-skinned Negro with a deep, booming voice. Yeah, baby, them honkies damn near got the nitty from the gritty before they let me out. Man, five years in that place without nothing but some fags to help you pass the time ain't my cup of tea. I took him by the arm and walked him away from the car and pool room. Dig, baby, I said. I got a thing on the fire, and if you can help me take it off, I'll give you one grand. He stopped and looked at me closely. You know I'm so on parole, Horson, so I can't stand no stick-ups, baby. But other than putting that candy stick in my hand, you got your man. It ain't no stick-up, I said and grinned. And you ain't got to crack no heads. I studied him for a moment. You know, I got to thinking about you, preacher. About how you used to carry that Bible around up there in the joint. And went to wondering if you had brought it home with you. He smiled. Man, when I got out, I gave it to the screw at dress out. I told that honky he should try reading it. He might find something in it to help him. What about all that bullshit you used to talk up there on the yard, preacher? What happened to all your plans on starting you a church and trimming all them sisters out of their money? You done forgot about it already, huh? He scratched his nose. No, baby. I ain't forgot. I just ain't got no green to get started. 
I sent all the way to California to get me some bullshit license stating I'm an ordained preacher man. But it ain't doing me no good, Horson. I ain't got no money to get started with. Two old women passed us. Just look, man. All them sisters just waiting for me to trim them. And I can't get my goddamn church off the ground. Well, dig this, preacher. I got good news for you. I put my arm around his shoulder. How much would it take for us to rent a storefront, put a second-hand organ in and a few chairs so we could try and get by for a few days? What's this few days shit, Horson? If we get set up, we might as well go for the long gallop. That part of it is impossible, baby, and I want you to realize it, I said sharply. I'm getting ready to play stuff on an old white bitch, and as soon as I take off the cash, she gonna run to the man. But you'll have at least 24 hours to get what you wanted out of the joint and get in the wind. We walked together until we came to a drugstore. Wait a minute, preacher. I might as well run in here and cop some things I'm gonna need. He followed me into the store. I walked around the counter and found some white envelopes. No one was watching except Preacher. So I pulled two loose from the pack and put them in my inside pocket. We walked over to the stamp machine at the wine and beer counter, and I bought two stamps to put them on the envelopes. Preacher looked at the wine counter wistfully. You want to kill a fifth with me? I asked. Do I want to get rich? Do I want to go to heaven? Ask me that, Horson. But don't ask me about a bottle of wine. You know goddamn well I want some sweet red. I bought two bottles and we walked back towards the car. Man, don't tell me you're going to play on that young girl in the car, Horson. Don't look at me like that, preacher. All I'm doing is keeping my game tight. He snorted. Game tight hell, man. All you want to do is Georgia that young kid. That ain't cunt, man. That's still pee hole. I looked at him in disgust. Looks like you done read too much of that goddamn holy book while you were doing your last bid. He studied me closely. You ain't changed none, Horson. I forgot you were a genuine snake. He continued as though he was reading the gospel. The white race won't have you, and the black race don't want you. Fuck you, nigga, and your black ass, I stated angrily. He ignored me and opened the wine and took a long drink, then passed the bottle. I remember, Horson, while we was in the joint, you was some strange fruit. While some of the dogs ran around raping white boys, you went them one better. You raped white and colored. It didn't make you no difference. If you saw a weak man, he was going to be had. I turned up the bottle and drank deep and long before replying. That was only because I was young and wild, preacher. You can't hold that against me. He shrugged his wide shoulders. I don't hold nothing against you. It ain't my place to judge, nor would I judge you if I could. I done did some rank things in my life, but I ain't never tampered with no child. I cursed. Call me in the morning, man, if you ain't changed your righteous mind. I gave him the open bottle and walked on over to my car. She greeted me as soon as I got in the car. I thought for a moment you was going to stay up here all night. I set the second wine bottle down between her legs. She opened the bag and sniffed. Shit, I don't drink no wine, man. I drink scotch, mister. I don't drink nobody's wine. Just pour me a cup of wine, girl. I didn't hear nobody say it was for you. Did you? 
She poured out two cupfuls and drank hers down fast. As soon as I caught a gap in the traffic, I pulled away from the curb. I stared at her thighs again. Shit, Preacher had to be insane. This damn sure wasn't no child. She spoke up suddenly. We sure had some good pot yesterday. My cousin's boyfriend brought some home when he came home on leave and it sure was good. On the left side of the street, I saw a gas station. So I made a U-turn and pulled up in the driveway. Fill it up, I yelled at the attendant. I removed my bankroll and fanned it out, making it look larger than it was. Her eyes grew big. Damn, I ain't never seen so much money. What you do for a living, stick up people? Slowly, I removed a $100 bill from the roll and dropped it in her lap. How would you like to have that for your very own, I asked lightly. Surprise and greed leaped from her eyes. You wouldn't give that to me, would you? She asked in a husky voice. It's all yours if you want it, I replied softly. What would I have to do for it, she asked. I smiled coldly to myself. There was a bait, and she was nibbling at it greedily. I put my hand down between her legs and rubbed her intimately. She didn't pull away or resist. No, she said, more to herself than to me. If you gave me that money, you'd just take it back as soon as you got through doing whatever you wanted to do. The gas station attendant came to the window and I said to him, I'll tell you what I'll do, honey. I'll let you put the money in an envelope and mail it to your mother. Or if you won't, mail it to yourself. The fish was caught. She leaped clear out of the water. I ain't gonna mail nothing to my mother because she wouldn't give it back to me. I pulled an envelope out of my pocket and handed it to her. She stared at it for a moment. Put the money in it, I said quietly. She dropped the bill inside as if in a trance. Now, close it up and seal it, I said, leading her right on down the road to the butcher shop. She wet it with her tongue and sealed it. Here, let me see if you got that sealed right. I removed the envelope from her hand, made my switch, and handed her the dummy back. Yeah, it's sealed. Reach in the glove compartment to get a pencil on and put your name and address on it. She started to hand it back to me, but I refused. No, baby. I don't want you to give me the envelope. I don't want you to get the notion I might switch on you, so you hold on to it. You know the money's in it now. She clutched the envelope to her. I ain't never did nothing like this before, she said while writing out her address. I drove slowly and watched for a mailbox. When I saw one, I parked beside it. Well, baby, here we are. She looked scared for a moment. You sure you want to go through with this? She stalled. Give me the money back then if you don't want to go through with it, I said, bluffing. She bit down on her lip. How long have I got to be with you? About five minutes. It shouldn't take longer than that, should it? I asked, amused. I don't know. Should it? She replied. I could tell she was way out of her program. How old is this nigga again? When I reached for the envelope, she opened the door and got out hesitantly. I watched her closely until she mailed the letter. If she had tried to run, I would have run her little ass down and probably jumped on her for trying to put shit on me. Nigga, you trying to pull game on her right? She climbed back in the car and sat over by the door nervously. I put my foot in the gas tank, making a beeline for the nearest motel. Even though I had two motel rooms, 
I wasn't about to take this tender young thing to one of them and have one of my war horses walk in on me. I pulled up behind a motel on Linwood. When she saw me park, she shook her head. I ain't going in that place. Well, I don't know what you plan on doing, girl. You done took my money, and I guess you know I can't get it back out of no mailbox. She shook her head. I know that, but I just ain't going in none of the motels. What you want to do then, I asked. Do it in the car someplace? I don't care, she answered in a frightened voice. For a few minutes, I just sat and thought about that. Well, it would save me the motel money, I reasoned. It was good and dark now, so I wouldn't have any difficulty finding a good spot to rip this sweet meat off. I slammed the car in gear and backed out. After my third alley, I found just what I was looking for. An old dilapidated garage with the house vacant. I backed up into it and pointed to the back seat with my thumb. Climb over the seat, I directed. I wasn't taking any chance of her getting away this close to the finish line. She climbed over obediently, then sat in the corner like a frightened kid. Take them shorts off. Everything, I growled. I removed my sports coat, shoes, shirt, then climbed over the seat. She hadn't taken anything off, so I straightened her out on the seat and removed her shorts and pants. The sight of such a young, tender thing excited me, so I just stripped her down. Her breasts were small and hard, and I kissed them affectionately. This nigga's a pedophile. Like, I don't remember how old he is, but even if he's 17, she's 13, and that's just fucking gross. I mean, they didn't say if she's 13, she might be older than that, but I strongly doubt it because her friends were, I don't know, this is just... Her breathing became deep and broken as that beautiful sight aroused me. When I put my finger inside of her, she began to cry, but I was beyond any feeling of concern. I unzipped my zipper. She became aware of what I was about to do and cried, Wait, wait, I didn't tell you, but I ain't but 16. Holy fucking shit. At that moment, it wouldn't have mattered if she wasn't but 10. I was beyond the point of caring. I removed my finger and used it to guide myself with. She screamed piercingly as I entered her causing me to come immediately. Damn, I swore and sat up. Instant cock. I can make a fortune off you on the market. I straightened up my clothes and climbed back into the front seat. She sat in the corner, slowly dressing. You hurt me, she said angrily. You hurt my pocket. You ever think about that? I said, amused. She smiled. Now that her ordeal was over, she was happy. I'm going downtown and buy me ten dress when my money arrives. For a moment, my conscience nagged me, but not enough to make me part with a hundred dollars. Would you do that for another hundred dollar bill? I asked curiously. She hesitated for a moment. If you promise to do it as fast as the first time, she replied coldly. I started to laugh and continued to laugh until she climbed up in the front seat. I don't see nothing funny. What's so damn funny, she asked and punched me on the side. Nothing, I said, holding back my laughter. I pulled out my bankroll and gave her a $5 bill. I'm going to put you out at the bus stop. You can either take a car or catch the bus. Suit yourself. 
I just don't have time to drop you off. She clutched the five spot to her. Do you always spend this kind of money on the girls you go out with? She asked. When I didn't answer, she continued. If you want my address, I'll write it down for you. I looked at her and smiled. No thank you, honey. When you get old enough, I might run into you somewhere. When I pulled up in front of a bus stop, I looked at her and said, Instant cock, and began to laugh until my sides hurt. She looked at me and shook her head. When she got out of the car, she was smiling to herself. Okay. Um... Did he just sexually assault her? I mean... She didn't give consent. She had given consent initially when she thought she was getting money, which he didn't even give her. But then she was like, I'm 16, which was her trying to stop it. So she didn't give consent. So he sexually assaulted her. And I know it's a different time and all that kind of stuff. And some of y'all are going to tell me that I need to be... Uh, I need to recognize the kind of book I'm reading. And I do recognize the kind of book I'm reading. But at the same time, she didn't give consent. And she was 16. I'm glad she wasn't 13. But 16 is not fucking better. I mean, I, I think he's still 17. I'm not sure. No, because he went to jail when he was 17. And was there for six years. Which means he's 23 and she's 16. And he's a pedophile. And said on top of that that it wasn't even a matter if she was 10 years old. Because he's a pedophile. And preacher tried to tell him, dude, you're you're fucking gross. This is not the way. And he was like, well, fuck you. I'm going to do what I need to do. And oh, God, help me help you help us all. Chapter 23. The waitress brought my dinner and walked away, her hips moving provokingly. Her walk had the same effect on the men sitting around the restaurant as a snake swaying back and forth would have on a bird. I glanced at my watch again. Three more hours. Stella had met Preacher twice now. This evening was a night for the big play. She had been to the false church we had tossed up and accepted it without too much fuss. After she saw his license, she had been almost convinced. And when I took her by his church one evening and she had walked in on a fake marriage, all doubt left her mind. She was more than ready to have him marry us. And when he put it off, causing us to postpone it another day, she started sleeping the sleep of the contented. Getting a young man almost half her age was a middle-aged woman's dream. Impatiently, I glanced at my watch again. The door opened and Boots walked in. I stared at her coldly as she spotted me and started to walk over to my table. She hesitated for a minute. Do you mind if I sit down with you? Her carriage was as proud as ever. She walked as though she possessed something other women didn't have. She was a floating dream of many a man. If you're not afraid of someone telling your old man about us being together, knock yourself out and sit down. I watched her closely as she pulled out a chair. There was something on her mind. She wouldn't dare arouse Tony's displeasure unless she had something important worrying her. I remained silent, waiting for her to speak. Well, Horson... I heard about your bad luck. I'm sorry to hear the ruby ran off. Yeah, I could just look at you and see it, I said sarcastically. 
The sleepless morning a week before when I awoke to find Ruby hadn't came home. My frantic telephone calls first to women's division at the police station, then to the hospital. The fear that something had happened to her. All this and more rushed back to me because of her comment. But the hell with Ruby, I thought. It was good riddance. I had bigger plans. Perhaps I didn't say that quite right, Boots began again. What I really want to know, Horson, is what you plan on doing now that you ain't got nobody. For some reason, bitch, I can't seem to figure out where you coming from. You know without my telling you that that ain't none of your business, but you still wouldn't put yourself on front street for that reason. What's the real deal? You done got fed up with the large stable you living in? Or is it that Tony wouldn't dare make this black bitch his main woman over all them white girls he got? She stared around the restaurant with unseeing eyes. I knew I'd hit the tender spot. Since you're so curious, I went on. I'll tell you my plans. Sometime in the morning, I'm going to pack my bags and hit the highway. I haven't made my mind yet to where I'm going, but Detroit will be 300 miles behind me this time tomorrow. It would have been impossible for a blind man not to see that my words hit home. She let out her breath slowly. Take me with you, Horson. If you do, I'll be yours for life. Why? I asked her point blank. The question caught her by surprise. She looked up at me sincerely. Why? I'll tell you why. Tony don't need me. All he needs is a banker. That's all I am to him. Somewhere in the back of my mind, her words rang a bell. Banker? What you talking about, Boots? With a sigh, she began to talk, and I listened real close. You know, you and Tony got a lot of ways alike. Maybe that's why I picked him while he was gone. Anyways, he's always gambling, so he don't put all his money in the bank. He gives it to me to put up for him in case he runs into a crap game or something out on the street. That seems to be all I could do for him nowadays. Just hold his money. How much? I asked softly. She hesitated for just a second. $6,000. He said he was going to buy his new Cadillac with it. Where is it? Her eyes met mine for a moment. Then she looked away. I got it put up in my apartment. She caught her breath and asked, Are you really leaving in the morning, Horson? The jukebox began to play the number by John Coltrane, these foolish things. I sat back and smiled. What goes around comes around. I could see it in the bitch's eyes. That money belonged to me. All you gotta do is walk out to my car and open the trunk. All my clothes are already packed sitting out there waiting for me to ride out. Her voice is hoarse. Let's get up and walk out and make one stop. I'll run in and get the money and then we can hit the highway. Right now, Horson. I'll give you every penny of it. She stopped long enough to catch her breath. It don't make no difference when we leave. If you was going, we can just as well leave now. Now that was just like a bitch, I thought to myself coldly. She didn't stop to think that I might have some business of my own to take care of. I knew she was on the borderline and could jump either way, so I pushed her. I wasn't going to allow her time to think, because if she did, she might change her mind about that money. She knew as well as I did that once she took that money, Tony would break her back wherever he found her. Her only chance would be to put many miles between her and Tony. I manipulated her like a puppy on a leash. Let's go. I said sharply, not giving her time to reason. She stood up bewildered. Where? She asked in a shocked voice. 
The people at the tables and the counters watched us closely as we left. There would be much talk, and it wouldn't be long before Tony was informed about us leaving together. If I knew Tony, he'd make a beeline for his money stash. No pimp with anything on the ball would trust his woman in the company of her ex-pimp. There was no time for any bullshit, so I drove straight to her apartment. Get the money and whatever clothes you could toss together at once, I ordered. She jumped out of the car and ran up the stairs. I glanced at my watch. I wasn't afraid of Tony, but I didn't want any static from him until I got that money in my pocket. After that, I didn't give a damn what he did. I wasn't planning on kicking back no six grand. It didn't take her long. She came out with two suitcases under her arms, walking fast. Before she got to the car, another girl came out the building behind her and ran down the steps. Their voices came drifting to me. Boots, you know what you're doing, girl. Tony gonna kill you. At least leave his money. You know how he is about that. Boots hesitated. I yelled out the window. Bitch, if you don't get your ass in this car, I'ma kill you myself. I stared at the girl holding Boots' arms. And if you don't turn her arm loose and get the hell out of my game, bitch, I'll get out of here and break one of your funky legs. She released Boots. I know you, Horson. I'm gonna tell Tony just what you said. It don't make me no difference if you tell your black-ass mammy, bitch. I yelled and jumped out the car. Boots ran over and pushed her suitcase into the back seat. I climbed back in and started the car up. Set it out, woman. I sat and held my hand out for the money. If you had never had a woman give you $6,000, it'll be hard for you to understand what I felt at that moment. When she sat that money in my hand, it was just like I had taken a heavy drug. The blood raced to my head and I believed I owned the world. How sweet it is. Where are we going, Horson? She asked. She had tried to sound cheerful, but I could feel the fear gnawing at her. I couldn't blame her. I knew that I was the only thing between her and a broken back. If she had had a hint of what I was thinking, she would have jumped out and run for dear life. I hadn't made my mind up yet on what to do with her, but one thing was sure. Whenever I told a whore they couldn't leave me and come back, I meant every word of it. I wasn't a bus driver. A bitch couldn't catch a ride with me whenever she made her mind to do it. Since I didn't want any trouble from Tony until after I took off my big sting, I found a motel on the outskirts. Boots' eyes grew big as I pulled up and parked. We ain't gonna check in here, are we? Well, I don't know what the hell you gonna do, but I'm sure gonna check in, I said. She stared at me angrily. Horson, you lied to me just to get your hands on Tony's money. I leaned over and slapped the shit out of her. First, bitch, don't call me no liar. Second, it ain't Tony's money, it's mine. Whatever inconvenience the bitch was going to cause me, I had to put up with it for at least the next few hours. She followed me docilely into the motel. I checked us in, and we settled down. I made her go out and get her bags. When she returned, I was counting my money. She glared at me. Listen, whore. I ain't about to have you walking around me rolling your eyes, so just keep all them goddamn funny looks to yourself. Being cruel to her was really unnecessary. This is the first time in my life I had ever seen her broken. There was no doubt in my mind about that. She was completely lost. Her head hung down and she looked at me sadly. Why, Horson? Why? What did I ever do to you to make you want to do this to me? When I was with you, I gave you every penny I ever made. Don't that mean something to you? 
Her voice broke. She started crying silently. What is it, Horson? What is it? Do you hate women or something like that? A man just don't be cruel like you being for no reason at all. Bitch, let me tell you something. Your tears, your name calling, it ain't nothing but humorous to me. You could talk from now on, it ain't gonna mean a thing. Cause as far as one of you funky bitches is concerned, my understanding is completely zero. For several minutes, she just stared at me. I guess you could be tough when a woman's concerned. But I wonder how you'd act if Tony rides down on you. If you're trying to make me mad, Boots, forget it. I got Tony's money in my pocket. And if he rides down on me, it's going to still stay in my pocket. She swore bitterly. God damn it, you Detroit niggas ain't no earthly good. With a jerk, she pulled her blouse off, then loosened her bra. I watched her coldly as she wiggled out of her skirt and panties. Without a backwards look, she marched off towards the shower. The sound of running water filled the room. I stretched out on the bed. I still had two hours to go before picking up Stella. We'd have to arrive at the church the exact minute. I went over my plan again. Everything depended on the timing. Preacher had a bunch of wine heads lined up. He promised them $10 each just to sit in the church so I could figure on it being full when we arrived. Boots came out of the bathroom and lay down on the bed beside me. I had taken my shirt off to get comfortable. She twisted around so that her head was on my chest. Her hands began to wander up and down, promising temporary pleasure. Her body was too tempting, even after so many years. I got up and went in and took a shower. When I returned, she stared at me strangely. I didn't mind. I dressed slowly, putting on a midnight blue silk suit with powder blue shirt. She remained silent as I dressed. When I finished... I said, I'll be back sometime in the morning. If you ain't here, I'll figure you rode out. Do whatever you want to do. It's your decision. She watched me silently as I went out the door. To me, it didn't really make any difference. She could stay or leave. Barbecue or mildew. You know, that's that's what they say now. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and ratchet at gmail.com. Uh, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, um, Pod Chaser, uh, Apple Podcasts. You can leave reviews there. You can leave reviews on Stitcher. I know that this dude's a pimp, and I know that this is one of the hardest, um, truest to life uh, street books out there. Like urban authors, he's got it locked down. But that girl was still sixteen. And it seems like ever since he got out of prison, he's still got it in his mind that he's still that age. And also, he's got it in his mind that he's got to hurt women. I realized Jerry hurt him. He didn't even know Jerry. And once again, everybody else is paying for the sins of a white woman. If y'all don't know what I'm talking about, go watch Rosewood. You only got to see it once. Y'all can... Uh, Become a patron at patreon.com backslash single simulcast. If you just want to donate enough for me to buy a new book, uh, you can go to buy me a coffee backslash SSCast. Um, please leave a review. Let me know what you think. That'll help us move up on the list on iTunes. Um, thank you so much for listening. 
I greatly do appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'll holler at you later. I, I'm pretty sure the next episode is going to be the last uh, chapters of Horson. So, yeah. Y'all be good. I'll holler at y'all later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my now that you slipped.